WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week, our guest is the co-writer of the recent Justice Society World War II DC animated movie and the Tim Drake serial in Batman Urban Legends, Some of Our Parts, Megan Fitzmartin. Welcome, Megan. Hello. Thanks for having me. So uh, we'll, we'll start with the icebreaker. What are, what are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Oh, man. First comics that I remember reading. I, um, I grew up on comics. My dad, that was like a way that my dad and I bonded. Uh, my dad loves comics. My dad grew up on Marvel. So um, he, was, he would feed me like Spider-Man and things like that. I got super into Fantastic Four, though, on my own. I think that was the first one that I was like, oh, found family, some like pr- complicated interpersonal relationships. This is everything to me. Um, and uh, picked that up on my own and then sort of found um, Batman as I was going through the shelves. I knew of Batman, obviously, but uh, I found um, one of the first Batman books that I remember reading, uh, which my friends make fun of me, fun of me for, is um, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Uh, Bruce Wayne Murderer, Bruce Wayne Fugitive, that stuff was one of the first ones that I read that I was like, once again, oh, complicated family dynamics, everybody <laughs> feeling a type of way about each other. Love this. Everybody's sad all the time. This is my jam. This is what I want all the time. So I think those are the two things that like, I, I think of fondly as getting me into, getting me deep diving into comics. That's great. Uh, I read in an interview that you grew up in uh, Celebration, Florida. Uh, yeah. The, the Disney town. Um, yep. You know, were you in a big, you know, did you have a big Disney family? Were you going to the, the, the parks a lot? Asking for my wife who's obsessed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, it, it is difficult to grow up in, in Celebration, Florida and not to be a big Disney nerd. Mm-hmm. Um uh, a good friend of mine uh, that I went to high, uh, middle school and high school with also lives out in LA and we, we see each other. We'll go to Disney now. And we joke that like all of our friends in LA think that we are crazy Disney obsessed, but we know the true secret in that we know we're not as crazy as the people that we came from. Um, <laughs> like we know, we know what Disney fanatics look like. We lived in a town that was filled with them. And so we're like, no, 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 we're normal Disney fans. <laughs> But it was great. I mean, I think I, I, everybody that I knew either worked for Disney uh, in various capacities. My dad drove the boat for Disney for a little while. Um, my sister works at Disney now. Um, my mom back in the day used to work for Disney and uh, in the stores and, and, and things like that. So it was, I very much was like, oh, I can't do that or I will not like, or I will not like going to Disney. So I'm going to go and work for Target and then still enjoy going to the park. <laughs> Stay, stay far away from, from that huh? sausage until the end product. <laughs> don't exactly. see how it gets Exactly. You don't want to go anywhere near that until I absolutely have to. <laughs> uh. So uh, I'm thrilled to have you here as you've written a, a lot of recent stories featuring Tim Drake, who is my favorite comic book character after you know the big bat himself. Uh, something I have made quite evident to anyone who will listen. It's true. <laughs> Uh, in the story the <laughs> yeah. uh, in the story for those not reading it Tim is sort of at a loss for where to go with his life and is 
gotten wrapped up in the investigation of a cult that is seemingly kidnapping teenagers, including his friend Bernard Dowd. Uh, deep cut there, which I love. Um, how did the gig writing Future State, Robin Eternal, and the Tim Drake serial and Urban Legends come about? So I, um, I am deep in the Warner Brothers family. Um, I, I started working in um, entertainment official. Uh, I used to work in TV estimating, which is like all the budgets for Warner Brothers TV shows. And then I moved over to Supernatural where I worked as an assistant before getting promoted to a staff writer. Um, and then while I was there, I also started um, working with Jeremy Adams, who's my co-writer for Justice Society. Um, he had done a lot of animation with DC Animation and brought me on to do uh, DC Superhero Girls. And um, we ended up doing, uh, we ended up co-writing uh, Justice Society. And so, because I'd had um, success like in that area and that like they knew me, which was always nice. Like they, um, when they were looking for more DC writers, they, uh, DC specifically reached out to animation and said, well, like who in your, in your repertoire of people would want to? And I have never been shy about how much I love comics. And uh, so I, um, I told literally everyone I was like, me, 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 let me, let me do it. Let me. Um, <laughs> And uh, so they brought us in and we, we, there was a big meeting where we sort of talked up all about like future state and um, figuring out where, where everybody would, would fit and would work. And I sort of, by, by what I call the grace of God and like crazy random happenstance, I ended up uh, in the back group and, and got a chance to write Tim. And, uh, and then when Urban Legends came around, uh, Dave, my editor was like, so you, you like writing Tim. I was like, I love writing Tim. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. He's great. Um, what a, what a, what a disaster son is what I call him. He is my disaster boy. Um, just a mess, just a very smart, very intelligent mess of a boy. Uh, and so he was like, okay, well, like we're, we're going to do, we're wanting to do more Tim Drake. Um, would you want to do a story for him? And I was like, yeah, yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. I would. So, and now here we are. <laughs> There we are indeed. Yeah. Now, was, was writing comics something that you'd considered prior to uh, you know, them approaching you? Yeah, I, about a year before, year, year and a half before, I, I love every different form of media. I love and I want to write in everything because I'm a storyteller and I love telling stories. I don't care what medium they're in. And in fact, I enjoy the, the different mediums because I think that they each one can lend itself because they're so different. Um, they lend themselves to creating like different ways to innovate in, in the other places. Cause you don't necessarily think of it when you're in one medium, it's hard to sort of take from another one, unless you, unless you study that as well. And so I, uh, about a year, year and a half before um, I was approached about writing comics, I sought out a class to write comics and, and, um, proceeded to uh, fund my own. I found an artist by myself and I um, worked on the script by myself and like figured it out. And um, I'm a very, I'm a very like, I'm gonna do it me first and then uh, make all of the mistakes there. Uh, so ideally don't have as many mistakes down the line. Um, so yeah, so I, I, not that I manifested it, but I definitely was in the space of like, yeah, I would love to do this and I'm going to do everything that I can so that when the opportunity does come up, that I will be ready. 
Awesome. Uh, you know, c- curious because, you know, uh, going through all this, how does, does comic writing compare for you to the other mediums that you've worked in? It is very similar to, um, it is similar to both animation and um, I also work in audio drama. Um, so it, for a lot of those, it, it is all about who you were, who you're talking to. You're not just talking to the audience. Like in television, you are talking to like a crew of over a hundred. Um, in animation, you are talking to um, your animators and uh, audio drama, you're talking to your sound engineer for the most part and your actors, but like the sound engineer. Um, and so this is very similar in the sense that like, I'm not talking to actors necessarily, but I am talking to my artist. And so my artist and my editor. And so I am, I'm making it clear to them in the same way that I would for like audio drama. This is sort of what I'm imagining, but I don't have the specific sound because I don't want to step on their own creativity. I don't want to like impose where they get to shine. Bellin is an amazing example of just, she's a phenomenal artist. So is Eddie. And I got the, getting the chance to work with both of them was fantastic. And getting the, the opportunity of like getting out of my own way and saying something like this or something that feels like this and then getting to a chance to see what they come um, in such incredible, beautiful spreads. Um, there's one in uh, the uh, third uh, Robin story that's coming out tomorrow as we're recording this um that is just outstanding like bellin sent it in and both dave my editor and i were like what (laughs) everything this is everything um and it i love that and i like you know as an art uh, as a writer you sort of give your artist like this ish (laughs) but go but like i trust you (laughs) um Oh, that's been that's been great and and that I think is the the comparison at least for me is is the similar experience in space of like I know what my skills are and I know what my skills are not and I know um what I and I try to learn what the skills are with the people that I work with and then deeply rely on them just lean as heavy as I can on them and be like whatever you want to like just you you got this <laughs> I, I like the idea of of, uh, of a script with notes that with little notes that just say, "Is this anything?" <laughs> yes, I can't express to you. I think in one, I think for a future state, I was like, I don't know, something cool. Like he, he just leaves in a cool way. I don't know um, because I think it was in an alley, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what this what this alley will look like because you will know what the alley looks like. So like he just he just leaves cool, and that was my whole note. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> That, that that is fantastic and like the, the good thing about starting with with future state too you know it's like oh well it's the alt future you know i don't have to worry so much about like you know continuity or what happened in the last arc i can just you know go ham you know mm-hmm. i'm coming in this, this boy this boy is my i mean it's the future so he's a man but you know what i mean like right right, right exactly <laughs> exactly this this adult being Doing his best, trying his hardest. And, and that particular note about cool exit, I mean, that is a Bat Family staple, though, the cool exit. So you got to, you know, let the artist go to town on that one because not everyone can do the whole, you know, r- right, Batman, that Jim Gordon always does. Like, eh, so he did it to me again. Is that a cool exit, though? Because you don't see anything. He's just gone. That's cool. But also, in all fairness, he's Batman. Everything he does is cool by default, 
because he's Batman. Mm-hmm. Fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the goal and the joy is to be able to like get everybody in my in my own uh, work. I have discovered that like. I love giving, getting everybody on the same page of excitement. And like the way that you do that is by giving, like you want people to take pride in not just their work, but also to like take ownership. And the way to do that is by like me not being tyrannical and being like, it has to look like this. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Artists have way cooler brains than I do. It's great. <laughs> so, uh, DC was in an interesting place in 2020, you know, from evolving management to kind of breaking away from what had been traditional distribution models. You know, as you're sort of coming on board, you know, I don't, I don't know what the timeline is for all of this, but, you know, are you watching this unfold as an outside observer? Are you, you know, coming in largely after a lot of this has already been settled? You know, I mean, truly, honestly, I can't speak to a lot of that, if only in the sense of like, they still employ me and I still love them. That's um, fair. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, I, I have a lot of people that I love that work there, a lot of friends. And it is, I, I had a boss one time who was talking about entertainment industry and they were like, everybody calls it show business, but it's really more like community theater. And I think about that with so much, even, even like the bigger companies, like I think about that so much as like, for a large part is a bunch of people trying to do their best and trying to get together and figure out like, how do we do this? How do we, what is the next? And especially now with the team that is still there. Um, like I remember when the culling was happening and like being terrified for my friends and, and thankfully a bunch of them are still there. And um, they, I, I love so much what they're doing and their hearts behind it. And, and it is a, it is a new age. Like we're still, we're, we're, recognizing a new age not just in comics but in, in streaming television and things like that and so recognizing like okay what are we what are we going to do how are we doing this and I think that like I I am very heartened by the desire for DC whether or not like those things can be attained because who knows but like from the people that I know that are there the the heart is to to continue to tell the best stories that we possibly can and move recognize that like just as just as other industries have to move forward so does so does comics and like what does that look like and that that can be scary or it can be really exciting and i i tend to to err on the side of excitement absolutely absolutely it's it's definitely an evolving time for the medium and it's also important to remember that you know comics is not the only place where this is happening and so Mm -hmm. it's it's good to kind of keep that outside perspective uh as well yeah with Future State, all of the Gotham books sort of fit in and around each other and around that central magistrate storyline. Was there a big slack or slack-like thread to keep all of the different books in that timeline straight? I mean, yes, but for the editors. It was less for us, and we, we were very much like, oh, okay, great. These are, this is where I want to be, and this is, these are, this is where I want to go, and the editors, I think the editors did a very good job of like making sure to keep everybody on track um, without having to, A, give us a lot to read um, in the midst of something that could like take us off our own track. I think that that's something that's always very hard to sort of navigate, right? Is that like, as, as writers, we wanna make sure that 
we are true to the vision that we have and the true to the vision that like we like we have sold to the company essentially um and and not wanting to necessarily like move that you get inspired by different things and, and that is good too and so um i think that like we had less of a connective tissue piece but i think that that was for the better so that like the editors kind of pulled together and were like okay these are the pieces that everybody needs these are the pieces like we are keeping all of this on track um so that the writers were able to tread the way that we needed to tread excellent now we move into the me asking you questions about tim drake and being giddy section of the podcast yeah um, <laughs> what makes tim a character you enjoy writing oh gosh he I went on a whole journey with Tim at the very beginning of like getting getting Tim because I like go through and it was the great the greatest thing about writing comics is it means that I do get to read comics and reread my favorites um, <laughs> and just in rereading so many of my favorites I was reminded of how much Tim is not just of like the particular like age group that I am also but like you and I are also but like there is this sense of Tim that Tim did everything right and like there is this sense of, of, you know, all of us who are kids that did everything that we could, did everything right, but now we are filled with anxiety all the time and we don't necessarily know what we're doing because the world is in a state of eternal chaos. Um, and I think Tim sort of deeply embodies that in a way that um, I, I, I don't think was the original intent for Tim, um, but, but he has become this sort of, uh, this sort of avatar for lack of a better word of um just just the overachiever anxiety kids just trying to do their best and and not really sure where they're going oh i know nothing about that no, no. Uh, and, and yet for our listeners i'm fairly certain i've stated this before i started reading comics regularly four months after tim drake was introduced so he is you know Right, right, right there, right there. Mm -hmm. um, so I take it then that the the sort of meta commentary that I've sort of read in this with Tim dealing with this uncertainty and f not being sure where he is in his life also has this meta commentary because the character has been sort of at ends for the past decade, except mm -hmm. for that yeah. brief period of the tiny and detective run um that was something that was in your mind as you were writing it yeah a hundred percent um my my editor who is is wonderful we, we sat down and we um via zoom because this was during the pandemic so we were like hello we can't meet in person but what if we talked about this through the phone um so yeah we, we chatted about tim and we were like you know the, the best part about working with ip is that like there's so many choices that have already been made about this character and like I get, um, thanks to being an overachieving kid, I get very <laughs> anxious by a lot of choices. And with Tim, it felt very much like, oh no, I know what the choices are because I have lived this life too. Um, I didn't go and, and, you know, find Batman and then, you know, become a vigilante. That was new. But like, that experience is very, I think, universal. And um, so sitting down like I said, with my editor and, and going through it. Yeah, we, we were 
we really wanted to both honor the meta narrative and, and recognize the fact that like Tim hasn't really had a lot of stories, especially recently, other than like the, um, the stories in the Tiny Inn uh, books. And so it, it, it was important for us to sort of acknowledge that and acknowledge that like Tim would feel at odds. Uh, it just so happens that so did the rest of the world at the same time. So you know, you, you didn't you didn't find Batman, but you did find Batman's boss, if you think about it. You know, you get it up at Warner's. That's true. Yeah. That's true. In <laughs> further cementing that that whole Drake period was something that has just been sort of moved to the side. I love you, Tim, but oh boy, not, not the best was, costume choice. I love, I love when anybody is trying anything. Oh, yeah. And I think that it's really important that we try things and then also recognize when things do or don't work. And so, but I also just enjoyed the fact that Barbara would be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had that one bad haircut or that one unfortunate <laughs> attempt at facial hair that just did not fly. Felt that very strongly Barbara would be like, no, I don't. No, thank you. Oh, As yeah. your big sister, I, I decline. <laughs> yeah. Babs is the, the one member of the Bat family that can call the rest of them mm -hmm. on any of their shit, up through and including yeah. Bruce. Yep, 100%. Yes. And Alfred. Alfred could do the same. But miss him every day. I know. So now you've written Tim, and you wrote The Penguin Back Up, in mm -hmm. Detective, where you got to, you know, at least briefly write the Batgirls. Um, yeah. Outside of who, who's your uh, favorite Bat character, and is there anybody else who you're really itching to write next? Gosh, I mean, I cannot express this enough. I would write all of them all the time. Like it, <laughs> it, it would not take and it and it is sort of like choosing my favorite children in the sense that like i care about all of them in so many different ways like i also grew up with uh with dick grayson and like there's so much about him as a as a big brother i'm an oldest of five um and so yeah. i feel very strongly whenever dick is like okay guys like dad is clearly not taking care of everybody right now so i must step in and like there is there is a lot to that that I, I resonate with Tim. Barbara is also somebody that like uh, another um, after I got into um, Bruce Wayne Murderer, I uh, got into Gail Simone's Birds of Prey and was just like, oh yeah, Barbara Gordon's a badass, which I knew because I had like seen, I had in in consumed media by that point. Like I knew that, but like reading comics and reading you know, as a young woman and reading her, uh, her as this like ultimate badass. And I was like, this is amazing. And it was super important and super beneficial to me as a young woman, because I was like, oh, I can do anything. Um, and, and Babs and my dad were very good about supporting that. And I've, you know, I've never really felt unwelcome in those spaces because I had two people like, like I said, like my dad and Barbara Gordon to support me. And that meant a lot. So Babs definitely love Cassandra. I love Stephanie. Stephanie is one of my favorites. I have loved Stephanie since she, speaking of messes, is another reason why I'm like, oh, Stephanie and Tim. Like, I, there, there's a story of why we broke them up, but like the, uh, I love them so much because they're both messes together all the time. I'm like, you guys are both so messy and I, I identify with that. <laughs> um, so I, 
I very much love Stephanie so much. Her, uh, the, the, once again, the Gail Simone and the um, Batgirl run with, with her was, was phenomenal. And one of my favorites when I read that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would die to write Batman, but I'm also terrified of writing Batman. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. But like, or Jason or Damien. I remember when Damien came on the scene and I was like, I'm, I, I don't know. I do not know about this child. How dare you, Grant Morrison? I love you, but how dare you? And now I'm like, my child, my son, this boy could do no wrong. He does everything wrong, but no wrong. <laughs> He's delightful in his doing everything wrong. And, and I don't I don't know if you guys watched Ted Lasso, but like the, the Jamie Tart character, this like very bad boy soccer guy. Is uh, and everyone hates him, and I'm like, that's Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. Damien was made by his interactions with Dick. Yeah, oh, that... 100%. Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah, because he would never have been able to become a fully formed character if it had just been interacting with Bruce. He yeah. needed to be out of Bruce's shadow and I swear every time in the current Robin series that the the ghost of Alfred talks to him I just I, I feel it I it hurts. feel it it hurts so good and like, oh. but that was the thing is I, I that's one of the moments that was very solidifying for me is like ah uh, yes Dick Grayson perennial older brother was when he took Damien and was like because we love Damien because Dick loves Damien yes. and and that is that is enough. Like he, he is such a good character for that. A, a good litmus test of like, if, if Dick Grayson likes you, then everybody like, we're fine. We're all, we're copacetic. Yeah. If Dick Grayson doesn't like you, then there is something seriously something, wrong with you. But those are the best moments though. When like Dick Grayson is very mad at Bruce, you're like, Oh, Bruce, you fucked up. <laughs> Bruce, buddy. Oh no. Yeah. I, I'm, just re-watching Titans because the third yeah, season yeah. launches and it's when you get to the beginning of the second season when Bruce, when Dick and Bruce sit down and they come to their peace it's like oh oh good everything's right with the universe again mm, yeah 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 <laughs> um, so just as a reminder to, to our, our listeners that uh, we haven't read part three of the uh, Tim Drake serial as it comes out tomorrow in our timeline and we haven't gotten review copies from DC yet. Call me DC. <laughs> Call me. I am the DC editor at Comics XF. I want those review copies. Those sweet, sweet review copies. Um, but so there's, you know, a couple of the things that I'm about to ask might be completely old news to people who are listening to this a week from now. I love this amorphous um, between space. I yeah, it, we, we are in a bizarre... It is, it is how I have lived my life for the last month. Where, like, I've been... Because I, I know how to use Twitter. And I've been like, <laughs> okay. I just have to wait, I guess. I just have to sit here and wait. We, we are in that donut hole in the center of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. But... So one of the things that you've been doing is bringing some of the, the queer bi subtext that a lot of fans have read in Tim 
for a long time much closer to text. How was that consideration and the work of editorial on that? Um, I will say that I was not doing anything different than what has already been text. Okay. Done and done. Um, thus far, as far as you've read. But, uh... Right. It, it, it's, it's interesting because it was... It didn't read more as text to me, but I saw a little bit of it explode and then get immediately drowned out because the next day was heroes don't do that and the <laughs> Batman sexuality God, discussion. It was. Oh so the, that, there Batman... was one good day in the history of Twitter and that was it. <laughs> that was the best day. It that was, was, it was delightful. But oh it was just God. like, okay, all discussion of bad characters and sexuality is now completely in another direction. Uh-huh. I, I will say I got a phone call. I was talking I was talking to my editor a little while later after after that happened. Um and he was like, Yeah, just like this this thing sort of happened. I don't know. And I was like, No, I'm I'm a I know. I'm on Twitter. I'm aware. <laughs> just, he like was, was playing it down so lovely and it was very funny, but I was like, No no no, don't worry. I'm 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 up to date. I'm I know what happened. Oh, I went to uh, my weekly game night that night and it was just like everybody's like so I'm like yes I've read it what are you of course I've read who are you talking to here if it was related to comic books in general of course I've heard it and it's Batman yes I am yeah. aware I got I got text messages from my friend because I was like I don't know how to I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch this I'm not gonna go anywhere near this I'm just going to enjoy the memes it's gonna be great mm -hmm. and then I had like two friends on a on a thread about something completely different we, we talk about chinese dramas that's what that thread is for out of nowhere just go megan megan but megan and i was like i can't no 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 and that was it i was like this is enough to post onto twitter and be done with this because it's very funny to me i want to engage i can't engage this is hilarious it was wonderful it was a wonderful day it was the best day <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Uh, so, any chance that at this point, since this will be dropping after, uh, you can hint at any possible Tim or Bat plans for you in the future? Um, yes, there is a hint. Um, that hint, honestly, is at the end of the uh, story. There's a little, like, to be whatever in whatever uh so there is a, a there's a, a smidge of that i will be somewhat returning they here's the thing dc has me now and they can't get rid of me they can try <laughs> they can try but i know where their offices are um so you know no it's it's been it's been wonderful and i, I would love anything more to like continue to, to work with these characters and, and and dc it's been a dream and a half um i love it i love it here i love these characters so much i get to work with characters that like have shaped informed me and the the idea that i get to to help others my i um fun fact about me i went to school to be a youth pastor um and the the goal has been and continues to be and will remain always to uh let others know that they are loved 
And uh, that was what I received from reading comics and, and all of the stories that I grew up with. I was told that like I mattered and I, I could exist and that is what I want to give to the rest of the world. So, and comics get, let me do that, so. That's great, marvelous. Yeah. Uh, so now on to Justice Society, World War II. Uh, Yay! Here's, here's the synopsis for those who haven't seen it. Uh, Justice Society World War II finds modern-day Barry Allen prior to the formation of the Justice League, discovering he can run even faster than he imagined, and that milestone results in his first encounter with the Speed Force. The Flash is promptly launched into the midst of a raging battle, primarily between Nazis and a team of Golden Age DC superheroes known as the Justice Society of America. Led by Wonder Woman, the group includes Our Man, Black Canary, Hawkman, Steve Trevor, and the Golden Age Flash, Jay Garrick. The Flash quickly volunteers to assist his fellow heroes in tipping the scales of war in their favor, while the team tries to figure out how to send him home. But it won't be easy as complications and emotions run deep in this time-skipping World War II thriller. How did you and Jeremy Adams uh, divvy up the writing duties on the film? Um... Well, our offices at Supernatural were run next to each other, so basically we just yelled at each other throughout the most of it. So that was that was basically how that whole thing worked out. Our poor uh, our poor Supernatural PA, her desk was right in front of our both of our offices, and she would be like, "I can hear you." We'd be like, <laughs> "We have work to do. Shut up. It's fine." Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about like Jeremy is very good at um, the action and adventure and the punchy things and um i am good at sad and feels uh and so that is what a lot of what we did he is also much more romantic than i am and like very sappy and loves that stuff and i love a ship i love a ship don't get me wrong but i need my ship to be sad and he's like megan sometimes people like happiness um which was a a revolutionary theory for me um so (laughs) i i allowed him uh, to, to play with that. Uh, although I did get to get some sadness in there. So I'm very proud of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we came up the story together um, along with Jim Craig and, and Butch um, and, and sort of talked it, talked it through, talked it out. And, and then, then Jeremy and I just like took it apart and wrote it. And it was a very, very simple process, very easy process. I very much enjoyed it. Um, Jeremy's a great guy to work with and good instincts and very fun. So I have no complaints. Great. Uh, This is the second film in the new DC animated film style after Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Um, Was there a a universe Bible? Were you given specific beats or was it more free flowing than that? Um, it was, I would say it was much more free flowing. I mean, one of the, um, one of the things that, that has been commented on, which I hadn't even thought about because I, once again, I grew up on like um, Batman, the animated series uh, later than everyone else. We didn't have a TV until I was like 14. Um, and so I like found it later or like if I was at my grandparents' house, but like eventually when I grew up with Batman, the animated series, a lot of those are not from the comics. Like some of the, I mean, the characters obviously, but like a lot of those stories aren't from the comics. And so somebody mentioned um, when we were doing press for Justice Society coming out, that uh, it's the first time in a while that there had been like an original story. Um, 
And I'm really grateful for that because I think that like that lends itself to us being able to to play around and not not necessarily be hamstrung by certain rules or certain certain aspects of the world. Um, and and we got to play. We got to play with these characters and we got to um, bring in people that normally I don't think that we would have been able to be to bring in and, and play with. So um, there there was a lot of like really lovely freedom um that we were given uh that i appreciated and enjoyed i had a lot of fun with it so uh, yeah i loved that steve trevor's big entrance is in a plane it's it, he's so <laughs> much in the modern dc books become this spy character mm -hmm. that it's easy to forget that back when he was first introduced he was a pilot yeah I will also argue, though, that a lot of that comes from my deep love and annoyance that um, everybody forgets that Luke Skywalker is also a pilot. Oh. I get very annoyed. I'm like, yeah, no, I know he's like a very serious Jedi Master, but like, you know what pilots are, right? Like, you know how like flyboys are. Um, it's, I, it's a deep homage in that way. <laughs> I have a deep and abiding love of any and all things Rogue Squadron. So mm -hmm, uh, I, mm -hmm. I am right there with you. Wedge and Tilly is my man. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, were there any other JSA members, knowing that the cast was already kind of big, that you would have liked to have gotten in there for yourself? Oh, yeah. Of course. Are you kidding me? We wanted, like, I would have, if, this is the issue. The, the cast was huge. The cast was, was a lot. And so we were like, okay, we have to, like, limit it. Um, but absolutely, it would have been so much fun to have so many other other characters that are known in JSA, like one of the issues that we all, one of the, not issues, but one of the people that we always get is like, where is Alan Scott? And I was like, listen, if we had Alan Scott, everything, like there would be no movie. We, <laughs> he's very powerful. Um, and we already, I'm going to spoil this. Should I spoil this? Can I spoil things? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And I mean, the movie's been out movie's for, been out. A, we're well out of spoiler territory okay. and We've spoiled things more recent than that on this okay, show. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> we already had Superman, so it's like we could only deal with like one all-powerful character at a time. <laughs> um, I would have very much loved to have Wildcat. Wildcat's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, that, that's the answer Matt was looking for, by the way. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that or Ted Knight. Uh, either our, uh, either Wildcat or, or uh, Starman. I, but I, I would have loved to have Wildcat. What we ultimately, and I think we've talked about this before, but what we ultimately decided was that like, Black Canary was was serving the same function as as Wildcat, and so that's why we ended up like saying, okay, well, we have to like limit the amount of people that we have. Um, so, and I love. I mean, I love what Black Canary became. Like she she's one of those characters that like, especially for us in the movie, Jeremy and I both realized this. Everybody like everybody was like very much in their game, and we knew what they were. Black Canary was like, hello, I am here. This is who I am. You are only uh, vessels for my voice. Um, and, and, uh, the actress that played her, she was amazing and, and heard that voice and just was, was fantastic in it. Um, another really good example of, oh, I didn't intentionally ship this. And then we watched the cut of, uh, of it. And then I was like, oh no, I ship, I ship this so much. Oh no. Oh no for me. Uh, you know, I, I will say, uh, you know, leading into the next question, uh, 
you know, my, my favorite moment, uh, I think, in, in, the, uh, in the movie was, was when Black Canary it rips off her domino mask and just mm-hmm. the tears that have been running down her face and she just <gasps> grief screams the flesh of a shark monster. Yeah, you know, just like you'd see in World War Two. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, all uh, of the all of the news articles about flesh monsters, flying uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. flying uh, shark monsters. Um, did did you have a favorite? Uh, obviously, Canary stealing the show. You know, was there another favorite character or or a moment that you had that you wrote in the movie? Um. They're, once again, you're asking me to pick my children because I like them all for different <laughs> reasons. And I hate them all for different reasons, too. It's sort of the thing. Uh, I'm very proud of that movie. I think I'm a bit, like, I, I think JSA came out really well. And I, I, some of the things that I'm really proud of are, like, Wonder Woman, I am so proud of, of, like, the the fight at the very beginning was a piece that, like, I spent a lot of time on <laughs> trying to figure out the, like, logistics of okay she goes in this house but then she's over here but then she's over there um and the animators did an amazing job with that and like that is the the fight in itself is just a beautiful sort of end sequence that um i remember spending a lot of time on that i was like this is never gonna work and everyone's gonna hate me um and i loved i loved the the proposal i loved like the constant proposals and i loved the story of, of how it sort of connects with barry um and Iris and how, you know, I loved the theme. Like theme is really important both to Jeremy and me and like making sure that we, we sort of hit that consistently of, you know, what what is the future bring? We don't have that. We don't, and it, it was strange. We wrote this in 2019 and then in 2020 in a way that um, I, was, I was not expecting. Um, mm. 2021, when did it come out? Hot dog. Uh, 2021. 20, yep, that's right. I don't, days are nothing anymore. Uh, I don't t- know what, what, what are time even? What, yeah. what, why time? Black circle. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, but I, I am proud of, I'm proud of all that. And I am proud of, of the team that we created and, and being able to like, not pull back was I think another thing that I'm, I'm really proud that we did. I, we, uh, Jeremy and I didn't really know how, how, hard we could go. Um, it's really hard sometimes with animation to be like, all right, guys, we all know that probably kids are going to watch this. So where is that line? <laughs> we um, got one shit. Let's make it count. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, okay. Um, the line on these DC animated says, if you've seen uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, the, the level of slaughter of recognizable characters there. I think they're willing to let you push the envelope a wee bit. <laughs> but that was the question too of like in, in this new sort of design phase, are we pushing the envelope in that way? Or are we sort of going back to like, I'm, I grew up on, on Justice League, which I, I still cite as one of the best shows of all time. One of my favorite shows of all time. And you know, that was, that was, that was Y7. So it was dark, but it wasn't like you didn't say shit. You didn't have those types of things. And so where is that line? And I think that like on our first draft, we might've played it a little bit safe. In fact, I know we did because Butch was like, do you like Nazis? And we were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not the vibe we're going for, thanks. Um, 
but that was an, it was nice. It was it was Butch's way of essentially saying you can go harder. You can you can because this like the the subject matter was hard. The subject matter ultimately is is hard questions of what do you do about the future when you don't have the future and um, it is difficult to hit that if you can't hit it hard. So, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, again, you mentioned huge cast, obviously you can't, you can't get everybody in, um, you know, the person who I, I guess for, for more casual DC fans would be the, the question mark I was wondering about was, uh, was our man, you know, uh, not to say that writing any member of, of the DC Pantheon, you know, should be a cakewalk, but, you know, speaking as the, the least DC literate of the three of us, uh, you know, he's definitely, you know, probably one of the, you know, one of the most obscure characters in the movie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what, what do you do with somebody like that to make sure he's a, he's a pre, you know, he's a presence, but, but yeah, no, he's not, you know, he's not Wonder Woman. <laughs> he is one of my favorite characters and I'm so glad that we got to use him. Um, and I think that like, I think it turned out, I think he turned out really well. The, uh, it, it was really fun to have him because of that, because exactly that he is, he is more of an obscure character. We wanted to, or at least I wanted to, we didn't necessarily talk about this, but it was sort of like underlying that we wanted to make sure that this is sort of separate from Justice League. Like this is, this is the Justice Society. Like this is a different group. And like, there are, there are characters from that, that that have not been seen before. They're a little bit more antiquated um, and lost to time for various reasons. And so, so like that was uh, important, um, I think, to all of us ultimately. And the joy in that is that we get to do whatever we want because nobody has preconceived notions. Um, and I mean, we, we stuck, definitely we stuck, I think, to, to the comics as much as we could. Um, but it, it was... Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was a fun experience and opportunity to be like, you guys don't know this character. A lot of you, like a lot of people won't know this character and that is fun. It mm -hmm. is fun to sort of like harken back to um, a character that has unfortunately been lost, but has a very rich history and is very fun and is very interesting. And also I think like sort of fits in the theme of you only, you only have so much time. So what do you think it is about the, the JSA and, and world, the World War II heroes in general that, you know, we keep coming back to them every few years, you know, whether it's in the comics or, or whatever. I mean, in fact, I think right now the JSA is kind of having another moment in the comics. If you look yeah. at how big like Alan Scott is a part of, of Infinite Frontier and everything. Yeah. Uh, I think it's twofold. I think we, we go back to World War II in general because it is a very easy binary for a lot of people this is very you know right and wrong very solid in a time of turmoil that we are in right now it's very easy to be like ah yes remember that time that we all understood who the villain was great um so i think that there is a part of that that like people sort of hearken to that that feels that feels um not necessarily comforting but helpful just like a helpful sort of recalibration um and then i think on the other side of it too these are characters, I think that these, these characters are having a renaissance because a lot of, a lot of comic literate folks don't actually, don't have that much comic literacy. There's so many characters. It is impossible. I don't know all of them. Um, it is, it would be nigh on impossible without doing research to like find out everything about all of these characters and let alone like 
both Marvel and DC, right? And so I think the joy, and, and ran into this a lot on, on Supernatural too, actually, the joy of coming from a like very established story is that a lot of people come in later and don't have the same knowledge base. And so you get to sort of play around with it. And so when you pull from the past, you get to sort of, you get to sort of like wink at the people who have been with you the whole time. And it's a, it's a really nice sort of space for them to, because they like, they feel heard, they feel valid as they should, because like, these are people that matter to them just as much as like Tim Drake matters to, to you and me, Matt. And so like, it's still saying that like, you're right, these people do still matter and they do still care, but we haven't done anything with them for a while. And so we're going to like sort of rework them or we're going to, to revitalize them in a way that they can matter to this next generation of comic book readers, which I think is just as cool and just as valid. Cause then you have two people who are like at ultimately different ends of a generational spectrum coming together and liking the same character. It's not really a question, but it, it's always good to, to re-up your, your, the cred on this one. Is there anything you can think of that's more satisfying than watching superheroes punch Nazis? No. No. It really is such a, such a happy existence. You feel real good about yourself after watching it. Yeah, that's right. Take it in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. So you've written for uh, some narrative fiction podcasts and you, you talk about podcasts a bunch on Twitter. Uh, what are some of your favorites you're listening to now? Uh, the, the one you're currently appearing on excluded, of course. Of course. Um, Wooden Overcoats is really phenomenal. Um, it is a British sitcom about warring funeral homes. Uh, it is extremely funny uh, in, in the most British of ways. Um, definitely give that a listen. Uh, I got really big into Bright Sessions. I ended up getting to work on uh, some of the spinoff podcasts for that, but like Bright Sessions is a phenomenal and, and really good for um, superhero fans. Like it is, uh, a, it's basically therapy for people with superpowers, um, which, which we've read enough comics to know that they should all go to. Um, and it's, it's fantastically produced. It's fantastically done. The acting is great. Um, the story is, is so sad. It's great. I'm, I'm, I love it so much. Um, and, and like I said, I got to write a, a couple of, um, episodes in the later series, uh, spinoffs, which I was very lucky to do. Um, what else? Those are always my two main go-tos. Uh, Wolf 359 is really great if you're missing, like, Star Trek in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, that one is, is, you know, about a, uh, basically not an abandoned space station but like a bunch of folks that are just sort of in outer space uh it's it's very good it has it is it's just fantastic that's a great team um and then also um the black tapes which is if you have an x-files shape hole in your heart mm. um and is essentially about this like you know uh, a skeptic and a somewhat believer it is it is um basically if uh what was serial was fiction and about ghosts hmm. um it's very good like i i re-listened to that a couple of times and and the scares are very good uh that's the fun about audio drama and audio fiction is that you get to sort of play in the uh in the, the horror space a little bit more because you're you're preying a lot on 
on people's imaginations in a way that is is very different than like animation or comics, right? Like you you see the visuals, whereas in audio you you hear the visuals and you sort of imagine them. So it's very fun. So those are my four my four top. Have you tried? Have you listened to Bridgewater yet? No, but um, my best friend who wrote uh, Bright Sessions wrote uh, Bridgewater. Because oh, um, I, I is, start. Oh, have you started it? I started it over the weekend and I was out doing some yard work with my earbuds in and some of that background sound I'm, I'm sitting there like pulling weeds and I'm like yeah looking over my shoulders like was that really something or was that in my um, I don't know I'm so pleased very good They're, it's such a good team it's an amazing cast like yeah. Misha from Supernatural is mm-hmm. in it and who I love deeply um yeah. Misha's very good in it but yeah uh yeah, Bridgewater. I haven't listened to it yet because it just came out. So you are ahead of me. So well done. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, I, I was playing catch up over the weekend because I was away and had you know a week's bonus week's worth of pod or not a bonus week, but like trying to cram in two weeks of podcasts mm-hmm. and two mm-hmm. weeks of comics in one weekend. And it was like, okay, That's gotta a take a break That's- from the comics. <laughs> oh, it's a whole lot. Woo-hoo! I'm still behind on the podcast. I got, I finished my comic stack this afternoon, but it's Hold just on. like, uh, th- yeah, this weekend was like, okay, need to take a break from the comics. I'll, I'll do some yard work. Listen to some podcasts. It was like, all right. So I can't do any of like the really like two hour long ones. I need to stick to, you know, 30 yeah. to 45 minute ones to get through a bunch of them in the, the, in the yard work time. Okay. This is new and they're all half an hour. Great. Let's do some of that. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Maybe this wasn't oh, the right so choice to be, to be to be weeding at, at dusk because the, the mosquitoes oh, no. yeah, the mosquitoes were down and so it was less mosquitoy and this would be fine. This was not fine. And I'm good. Horror doesn't you know doesn't. I, I'm really a horror person. It doesn't often affect me. But this was there were a couple of you know just like just the, like the sound the, the soundscape with the woods. It's like. Good. Excellent. <laughs> I'm so pleased. This makes me so genuinely happy. <laughs> Yay. So, <laughs> um, so one of the podcasts that you've worked on is called Wine and Comics. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we are we are friends with at least a couple of podcasts that have incorporated beer or even uh, hard alcohol into their show, whether it be, act, act, you know, actively recommending beers along with comics or just you know cracking cracking open a can for the smr content but uh <laughs> i i think yours is the first that i've heard of that's included wine so i i am genuinely curious are there comics that pair better with you know reds whites rosés etc you know wine and comics is very funny because it started off as a way for my buddy Topher and i to um indulge in our two greatest loves in life which are comics and really bad wine. Um, <laughs> the joy, I would say, in terms of pairing, uh, it is, I would say, a little bit more difficult because we are, we are not sommeliers. I actually would, uh, I would recommend a show called Pairings, um, which my friend Emma Shazarko runs. Um, and she has done, I want to say she's done a Batman, a Batman pairing. And she is a sommelier. And she has done and so she'll do like different pop cultures and like what wine she'll pull and like she has a wide variety i on the other hand will tell you so here is how to get cheap wine here is what you're (laughs) looking for here is how to tell if wine is bad and not just because you bought it for a quarter at a garage sale and it is brown and there is stuff floating in it but 
Um, all things that have happened on the podcast. And so, because also, like, Topher and I started it when we were super poor in Los Angeles and had no money. And so we would buy literally, like, $5 wines or two-buck chuck. Like, we would try a bunch of different stuff. And I think that our palettes have definitely grown over the, the course of the show. And I'm really grateful for it because I now know, like, I love red wine. I love red wine. I will do white wine if I must. If I must. Um, <laughs> those at home cannot see, but I am, in fact, also drinking wine currently because I cannot record a podcast about comics without drinking wine now. Um, but uh, it, it is less about us pairing it and more about hearing us get like progressively more tipsy as we have very shitty wine. So, but I, in terms of if you want pairings, I would definitely go to pairings. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we talked about it. You wrote for Supernatural, which, mm -hmm. God help me, is a show I watched from episode one to the end. Amazing. Loved it well, all the way through, but it's just like, there's, that, that's, that's, oh boy, that's a lot of time. Um, sure so, sure Sam Oh no, Can you don't pick do this to me. You guys keep asking me questions about choosing my favorite children. And I just... I, I, they, they are both wonderful. They are both I, wonderful. But, but, but you know, it, I'm, I, I, I won't say anything until after you said something on this one. Because I will, I will give you a, a set of feels on this myself after. Oh, I can't wait. So, I, I will say this. I will say this. One day while I was working as an assistant, um, I got inundated by tweets, tags, all sorts that said that I hate Sam, Sam, I hate Sam, Sam, I hate Sam, everything about like how much I hate Sam. At the same time, the mailman put on my desk this box and I opened the box and inside that box was hundreds and hundreds of postcards all printed why do you hate Dean? You hate Dean. How could you hate Dean? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to win. <laughs> There's no world where I can win here. It's fine. So I love them both equally. <laughs> yeah. You're not seeing a miracle on 34th Street when all the mailmen drag in bags of letters, <laughs> children's letters. Uh -huh. That's what it's I'm that. Right it's, now. Yeah. yeah. Fandom is terrible. <laughs> I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually very much love fandom. I think it's the passion is beautiful. And I like don't, I find, I find the, the like, the hilarity exists in moments like that, where it's like, there was no coordination here, guys. Like that you, <laughs> what, <laughs> you both feel this way, but in opposite directions. And I, I deeply do love that about fandom. And I think like, I just, was just having a conversation about fandom recently and about how so much of it is like zealousness and the toxic stuff comes when it's like your only defining character trait when it's like this is only who I am because it also sort of um arrests the thing that you love and the state of being um of when you love it and and doesn't allow for it to grow um which it's going to like that is just sort of the, the nature of the beast and so I find that like toxic fandom much in the same way that it is like be it internet, be it sports, like it is, it, it is not a new thing. Be it religion, like, when, like crusades, I would argue is toxic fandom. Like, it, it is a thing of like, 
when it becomes your only identifying trait is when I'm like, this is, this becomes toxic and it becomes unhealthy, but there is really good fandom that comes out of it. Like there's really good, beautiful stuff that comes out of fandom. And, and I would argue a lot of the reason that we do the stuff that we do is because of like the, the goodness of fandom. So I always want to be very careful that I don't like mm -hmm. come across as if I don't, because I really like, there's something that's very beautiful and, and spiritual about it, I think. But um, but then, yes, then you get two different types of people saying that you hate two different types of things, and you're just like, I don't know, okay. <laughs> All right. If only the two know. subreddits would talk to each other. <laughs> I know. Come on, guys. Um, so, yeah, so I don't, I, there are different ones that I like, I, I relate to differently. Once again, like Dean, I related to as, an, as you know, a, a, an older sibling who has to take care of kids and Sam, I related to as the kid that feels like a black sheep because you had to like leave what you knew and, and travel across the country to do this thing that you felt called to do. And like, not that my parents think of me as a black sheep, but like, I definitely understand. Like, I don't, I don't live in Florida anymore. You know what I mean? And, um, so there's definite aspects to both of those characters that I, um, I think resonate with me in the same way that they resonate with like the, the people that deeply love them. Now you can tell me, Matt. What are your? No, it's it, that last bit kind of hit on because when I first started watching, when it was first, I was you know, like all about you know Sam wanting to you know to to to, to have his own wings and to be this sort yeah. of buttoned down because it's it's kind of you know I could not that I could be any of these characters, but you know I could never be Dick Grayson. I could never be. Dean sure. Winchester because they're you know both slick and confident but Sam and Kim <laughs> were both these you know yeah. kind of nerdy and that's awkward as, I yes. lost my shoe yep. yeah but as Supernatural continued it was like no the the big brother and Dean spoke to me as the eldest of three with sure. two little yeah. brothers it it was absolutely there the other acceptable answer to that question is Castiel um <laughs> <laughs> oh oh Misha I love Misha so much and I also love son of Misha because I that's what we that's what we do so it's I I love Misha so much Misha's such a gem such a wonderful especially like when my first when I was on um on set for my very first episode Misha was the one that like approached me and was like you wrote this didn't you this is your first script and I'm like yeah and he goes this was a really good job good job and like it meant so much to me as the like young I was an assistant still at that time. And like, I had been working on the show for three years at that point, at that point, two and a half. And I was very like timid. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to get in anybody's way. Um, and Misha, Misha went out of his way to say that to me. And I was like, what a good, what a good guy. And then, then that's like, I made fun of him for various other things later <laughs> on in life. And that's, that's sort of how it is. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, you know, Supernatural ran for a very long time, um, is is that as is it is that as close as it comes to like job security or yes. in wow yes I mean the, yes it was I jumped on season twelve and at that yeah. point it was really it truly we all knew it was until the boys wanted to stop yeah um, and in a world where like it is wild to me that I worked on that show for four years because that is. That feels like no time, like for me, because mm -hmm. um, it all runs together. But I talked to my other friends who were like, I was on a show for like a year and then half a year because it got canceled and then another year and mm -hmm. then like two years on this one if I was lucky. And um, yeah, I, I 
absolutely job security. It was, it was very, and, and beyond that, because I was a showrunner's assistant and we, for the longest time had 23 episodes. We, we only had 20 episodes in season 14 and 15. Um, I never left. I never left the office. I was just, I never had a hiatus. So I was just sort of always there. Um, so the first time we had a like actual hiatus, which I think I had a week off, um, it like we, we got an email from our, our studio exec who was like, hey, all right, so you need to like do this. So like, remember to do this thing. I don't know why you haven't done it yet. And I was like, cause we've never done this before. <laughs> we've never had a hiatus. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, I know it's only been out for a few days, but have you seen The Suicide Squad yet? So here's the thing. Okay. I've been working, <laughs> which I'm very grateful for, but it means that, like, I, I, haven't, I haven't gotten to see any movies this whole month, and I'm very, oh, I guess it's only been, like, nine days into this month, in, like, four weeks. I've not been able to see any movies and like two big movies came out this week and I'm very excited about both of them and I've not had time and I'm very mad. Matt, are you sitting there thinking about what the other one is? Yeah. Black Widow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, don't do it. Wasn't it four weeks? It must have been four weeks. I don't know. Once again. L listen, we've time. already, we already yeah. said nobody, none of us knows what time is anymore. Right. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it would have been just I go to one or two movies a week. It's sort of my, yeah. my, my, it's my me time. And it lets my wife have a couple hours in the house where she has the house to herself sure. versus yeah. both of us. So we're, we're both, you know, we both get that little bit of time away. So as an introvert, me, I appreciate that for her. <laughs> and we are both, we are two introverts. Oh, who no. will, will happily Damn both it. sit on the couch and one of us will be reading, the other one will be playing video games and, and, you know, whatever. And it works really well. But even then, after a while, it's like, you're the person I love the most in this world, but I'm sick of you. You need Fair. to go. Understandable. And Understandable. Yeah. right now, yeah, I, I'm working. She's not. So we are, and I work from home most of the time. So we are always together yeah. so yeah. the fact that it's you know I, I i i walk to the movie theater it's a good 45 minute walk then oh, two hours great. and then 45 yeah. minute walk back she gets a good three and a half four hours amazing we're both back and then it's like oh boy time for the couch and the cats yay <laughs> perfect yeah i it, i've been um working on undisclosed uh for the last <laughs> like exactly so for the last month and so i feel i feel so out of it and i keep seeing people like talk about things and i'm like no no, no 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 i can do like i can do like the 30 minutes so i've been watching like ted lasso and schmigadoon when i go on my run like that's about that's about the extent of of how up to date i am on and i've been and i've been watching star trek on runs now too so that's been a new because that that one for whatever reason my family was a star wars family and we were not a star trek family and so i am now I'm in TNG. We're currently a buddy of mine is, is has given me um, a, a very good uh, I don't know like a schedule sort of a thing of like this is what we were watching. So we're going back and forth between TNG and uh, next um, and um, DS9 now. So we're not at we're not at like season three yet. We're only we're only still in, in season one. So okay. let nobody get too excited yet. You're you're, you're getting it. DS9 is my favorite, and it is. 
It is my buddy's favorite too. I have heard about DS9 far longer than I have heard about Star Trek, if that is, if that makes sense. It doesn't, but like, it, it feels like it does. Poor Dan has to sit through me and our buddy Rob just doing, talking Star Trek. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah. Look, look, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, all the, all the times you guys talked about DC content for the past hour. I sat here, I smiled, <laughs> I nodded politely. Yeah, like, uh-huh, I remained uh-huh, engaged sure. in the conversation. Yes. You know, you did. There's a part of me that's thankful that she's not farther along so that you don't pounce and spend the next 15 minutes talking about the Dominion War. <laughs> I truly, I truly know nothing of it. So I'm, I am deeply unspoiled in a way that like, I don't know how, um, but yeah, here we are. So you can't say anymore because then I'll know things. So yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to ask. You're though, welcome, touch- <laughs> Thank you. Uh, touching on one of the other things that you mentioned, uh, watching a lot of Ted Lasso at Schmigadoon. Should I finally break down and subscribe to Apple TV? Yeah, man. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know. I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you that like, this is the one that I will tell you that you have to. Dang. From Ted Lasso, Schmigadoon, and Mythic Quest, oh, I had yeah. the best time. Okay. I had the best time. And I was, I, I was not planning to. I did not want to. The only reason that I had uh, an Apple TV subscription was because it came with, I think I like, I got a new Apple watch. And so they're like, ah, oh, yes, you've gotten an Apple product recently. Ha la la la. So I got that and I, I, it was around the time. I was like, all right, fine. I'll catch up on Ted Lasso. And then I cried like a, a, a child <laughs> in the best way. It hit every emotional piece that I needed it to hit. Um, it was not to like oversell it, but it was it was really truly a thing where I was like, oh okay, I I am grateful that I have this. So it is. They are doing some really good stuff that I was um, cautious about, okay. but ultimately deeply impressed. All right. Yeah. Well, I will so definitely I take... go for it. Okay. I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> you do it for a month, you can knock out. I mean. You wait until Schmigadoon and Ted Lasso are done. You do it for a month. You knock out the two seasons of Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. Schmigadoon, and the two seasons of Mythic Quest. So, and then see if you want to keep it. Fair, good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I got so, you. There's too many. There's too many subscription services. We got to do what we can. That is true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you reading right now? What am I not reading? Um, I am reading. So at any given point, I am reading four things. I am reading a book on how to write like Tolstoy, which is very good. Um, I am reading a book by Lawrence Wright, who did the Going Clear book that inspired the documentary that's called The Plague Year, which is all about last year. Um, I normally wouldn't do that because I'm very anti-reading pandemic stuff or consuming pandemic media, but I really like Lawrence Wright. And he's like a guy that I, I trust in terms of like, documentary in person so like mm-hmm. fine um and i am also reading a YA book called the six cranes six crimson cranes um and then for comics i am catching up on the fantastic four good asian um and the um the pride the pride book because i'm just behind i bought it but i was like i don't i haven't 
I've had to like remind myself that like I need to keep going and 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 stuff like that. So because some days I'm just like I wake up, I run, and then I do work, and then I go back to bed. Um, so I'm catching up on some old stuff that I haven't had a chance to read. So it was very good. Uh, well, Megan, this has been a, a fantastic hour and change. Um, final question: How can people follow you online and keep up with with uh, your many feelings about Tim Drake and all your many fictional children? <laughs> All of my fictional children, all my fictional feelings. Um, I am on pretty much every form of social media as MegFit89, uh, M-E-G-F as in Frank, I-T-Z, 89. Uh, that's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's probably LinkedIn. I don't know. I don't use that one. So <laughs> try if you want. Um, yeah, chances are that's probably me. All right. Fantastic. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you guys. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at comicsxf.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at comicsxf.com where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. A $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. A $3 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember... That one time Pete Wisdom stopped a vampire invasion from the moon. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.